0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com I-X-E. Over 150,000 tiles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Audible.com is your source for digital audiobooks. My personal favorite is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, read by Stephen Fry. It's amazing. So get your free audiobook. 30 day trial and free audiobook download and show your support for the intellectual podcast by going to www.audibletrial.com I X E.
1: Hello there citizens. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the floaty that will not flush no matter how many times you try in the toilet bowl of crime. I am dark duck telling you, please talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. <laughs> Whatever the heck that means. After all, you are watching Intellectual Podcast with your ears.
0: Hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's Dave Dawson, your host of the Intellectual Podcast, and I'm coming at you with the 99th episode of our show. I cannot believe we are one episode away from our big 100th episode, which we will be celebrating this weekend on Sunday, 6 p.m. at the Horton Grand Theater in the beautiful Gaslamp District of downtown San Diego. And we want you to join us there. It's going to be a great night. We've got uh, a whole bunch of stuff we're doing. We've got the 100th episode of the podcast, which is going to have three guests on with uh, me and my co-hosts. And I'm reserving the right to change which co-hosts I have with me that night at any time. Uh, but we've got William Wall director of Zero, Dawn of the Darklighters. He's going to come on and discuss his film with us for a little bit. And we also have Sue Vickery, who is the driving force behind the My Power of One web series. And we're going to talk about her movement and the series itself. Uh, We are also going to make a donation to My Power of One in the form of 10% of our take of ticket sales, uh, provided we sell 100 tickets to the event. So, Uh, Make sure you buy tickets and uh, let's let's help My Power One accomplish good things in the community. And then we will have director Bowman Modine join us on the show. You may recognize his last name. Bowman is the son of actor Matthew Modine, uh, who I have watched most of my life in films that I just love, uh, like Full Metal Jacket and Memphis Bell, and Bowman has become a director of film in his own right, and his recent short film, Mary Xmas, was a 2015 nominee for Best Narrative Short at the Tribeca Film Festival this year, a fantastic uh, short film, stars his dad, Dick Van Dyke, Valerie Harper, Glenn Headley, it's an amazing little short film, it's a lot of fun we're going to watch that film San Diego premiere, and then we're going to sit and chat with Bowman about the process of making the film, how he got Dick Van Dyke on board, it's not quite the way you would suspect knowing who his father is Um, and it's actually it's something that might give you some hope Uh, we all wonder how we can reach out to actors that we want to be working with And uh, Bowman experienced that just like the rest of us. And I think his story is going to be inspiring for many of us. And that's how we'll conclude the night is the, is the podcast. The first part of the night is going to be film. And we're going to show a couple of uh, trailers for local films that are also going on here in San Diego. Uh, We've got uh, the trailer for Upshot starring uh, Tony Cox and his daughter and from uh, Rack Focus Productions. And, Pack packet the series, Joe's series, uh, Pack packet was a fabulously funny 48-hour film project short film that they're turning into a web series, so we're going to get a, a little teaser on that as well. And then we're going to go into a special presentation of Unlucky Charms, Intellectual Entertainment's 48-hour film from last year, silent film, but with a twist. We're going to show you the European version, the film screened at the Sound Film Festival in Bucharest last summer and was given a custom soundtrack uh, done by a master's degree uh, student at a music school there in Bucharest. And it's a fantastic uh, change to the movie. It's an interesting way to see it with a, with a soundtrack that's very much European, not so much Hollywood. Um, I think you'll really enjoy it. And then, following Unlucky Charms, we're going to do the world premiere of our new short film, Things Happen, starring Sebastian Sippola, Merrick MacArthur, who's been on our show. Merrick is a a very talented actor here in San Diego. And my sister, Laura Marie Davis, is a star of the film as well, um, and many others. Um, And it's going to be a fantastic Chance to show this movie to everybody on a large screen in a, in a proper theater type setting and I'm really looking forward to it and we will also follow the premiere of Things Happen with a QA and a with all the filmmakers and when the night is all concluded uh, most of us will be heading over to the Palace Bar there at the Horton Grand Hotel to celebrate and you know carry on mixer style if you will to finish off the night so it's your chance to, to actually talk to a lot of us in person And uh, get to know us and tell us what you're up to and what your projects are. Uh, It's going to be a really, really fun night. You can buy tickets online for $10 at eventbrite.com. The easiest way to get to the ticket page, really, is to go to our website, ixe.us. That's ixe.us. And just follow the links to buy your tickets for June 14th. Programming starts at 6 on Sunday, so we hope to see you there. Tickets will be $15 at the door, so buy your tickets early. We're also going to be raffling off prizes for all pre-sale orders, so make sure you you buy your tickets early. And now, we go into the 99th episode of the podcast. We're talking with a TV icon. This is a legend. She was on Land of the Lost. Many of you remember that show from when we were kids. It was on syndication for years when we were children. Land of the Lost uh, was a, a very interesting show. It was a, it was definitely a show of its time, and Kathy Coleman joins us on the show today to talk about her experiences on Land of the Lost and all of the things that she's done since. And she talks about her book, which summarizes all the things that uh, she's gone through, which you can buy on Amazon and. We'll we'll put the link to that on the show page at ixe.us. so make sure you check out Kathy's show page if you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher or any other podcasting aggregator. Make sure that you check out our show page at ixe.us for Kathy so you can find the link to her book. And uh, Stephen Schwartz read it, and he was just blown away by it. And actually, it's really funny how we got Kathy on the show. Steve just happened to be sitting next to her on a plane flight. And they struck up a conversation, and there we were uh, a couple weeks later sitting with Kathy uh, at a Starbucks in LA uh, and having uh, just a wonderful time. She's an amazing lady. So here she is, Kathy Coleman, on the 99th episode of the Intellectual Podcast, and I hope you join us Sunday for the 100th episode as we celebrate it in style by recording that episode live on stage with our audience Thank you so much, guys.
2: Talk hard and
3: enjoy the mindgasm. The intellectual podcast
0: starts now. Time code is rolling. We're good to go. All right. Are we good to go? Steve. Yes, sir. This is your interview. You take the mic. This is my interview. I'll take it from here.
1: We are sitting with the one, the only, Kathy Coleman from Land of the Lost. Holly. How are you? I'm terrific. How are you, Steven? Awesome. We have a, a great little story of how we this interview came about.
0: Yeah, this is a fortuitous <laughs> interview. <laughs>
1: um, I was on a flight uh, going to New Jersey with my brother, and we're not the most approachable
0: uh, people. Approachable people. <laughs> and
1: we're not the and we're also not very, you know, spelt. <laughs>
0: Let's face it, you're huge.
1: We're, we're big people. To put it
2: mildly, they weren't too thrilled when I came walking down the aisle and said, is this seat taken?
1: And
3: we're
2: like, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. It's all right. I was ready there. To- and they, they did give me that non-approachable look, and I thought, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to crack this case. So I, I sat it. down with them and... Uh, just head my way and before i knew it we were laughing like crazy and hugging and all kinds of good stuff it was the best flight i ever had now, were you flying was...
1: back from new york no actually we were On flying we, we uh met up in denver uh our we are, our flights changed we we flew out of orange county to denver and you flew from
2: la yeah, I came out of Burbank, and then I uh, I was on my way to uh, a chi- it's called Chiller. It's a celebrity kind of convention, like a Comic Con,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, in Jersey.
0: Is that is that a horror
2: convention? Uh, you know, sounds like it was a name like that. <laughs> it's a little of everything. I yeah. mean, Anne Margaret, Mike Nesmith from The Monkees, those were two nice. of the headliners, and then the the. Uh, Three of the members anywhere. from our show were there. Okay, Wesley, my brother, and Phil, who was Chaka. Okay, hey,
1: yeah. he's too young. Doesn't know. So
2: no, he said Chaka. He, he said, Chaka. said it with some conviction. I
3: yeah. I I gotta be honest with you. I'm probably a little bit more familiar with the the actual movie.
2: Okay, well, their yeah. Chaka in the film wasn't anywhere near That's as attractive as yes, ours. Yes, yes, and obviously we all know the outcome of. Uh,
3: yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Our Chaka was
2: very handsome.
3: Yeah. Only person.
2: And even in costume, his, his, oh, okay. his beauty sh- shine through.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so um, we have your
1: book here, Lost Girl, The Truth and Nothing But the Truth. So help me, Kathleen. Yes. Uh,
2: <laughs> I'm very proud of this book. I really awesome. am.
0: It, it's funny. Steve says to me, I met Kathy Coleman on the plane. I was like, "Cool, what was that conversation like?" She kept telling me I had to read the book.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you why I'm really so proud of this. It's 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 terrific, and, and it, the family that I have from Land of the Lost is um, is wonderful, and I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. But that's always being a part of something. I, Mm -hmm. am a part of that family, but sometimes to step outside of the family and, and kind of test your own, you know, abilities and, and the waters that are, you know, outside of the, the shell, um, is, is a fun, fun thing to do. It's scary, you know, but it's, uh, something that I, I did. And so now I'm, I'm proud of it because it's something, although it has parts of it in there that, are to do with the family, Land of Lost family, but um, it's really also what I did when, you know, I left the house, (laughs) or the cave, so to speak. (laughs) Oh, left the cave on the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you
1: you didn't leave the house in real life. Oh, I I left
2: it. I got thrown out of it. You name it, it happened.
1: Um, do you mind if we we talk about? Oh what, no what, no no! That's that's what okay. this is all about. Um,
0: Steve's been fervently reading it since he got it. Uh, right just, on! I
1: couldn't put it down. Um, okay, so <laughs> you come from a rather large family.
2: Yeah, yeah. In today's uh, by today's standards, by yes. today's stand,
1: well, by huh? the Duggars family, a good no. start. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice, good one. Touche. Thank you. Thank you. But um, uh, just the mere fact that, I mean, you guys kept, stayed together.
2: Right. You, and that was the Duggars have a mother and father. We were raised by a single mother from Australia who was very um, awkward here in the States, you know, in many ways. It was, things were so different.
1: Okay. Um, and also, it, it was a, a very, very strict upbringing, it, know
2: for a child actor i mean your mother uh well her track- nickname yeah. uh, to us kids was uh the great stone face <laughs> really yeah <laughs> so nothing no no feedback whatsoever
1: as far as what your career how your career was going Oh no on?
2: no no she she was the uh the on the top of the uh uh oh gosh uh predator list of the biggest stage mother that ever hit hit hollywood okay so she she was
1: extremely protective of you oh absolutely yeah um but as far as you know when you were at home uh things were different things
2: were different and that became very awkward in uh like say for instance we were invited to go to a uh a dinner function and i would say may i have the salt and pepper please you know that was okay while i was at this function but if i ever slipped and i say that in a in a weird funny way but if i ever slipped and asked for it in that manner at home oh they would attack me like you know flies on you know what because they would say who do you think you are well you know what it gets to the point when you're in the business you you have to ask that so your, yourself that question really, who am I? your, your guess, my guess is as good as yours. Who am I? Am I that person? Am I this person? You know, so it, com- it kind of gets a yeah, little. I mean, it's got to be
0: difficult being a child in the in the business where you don't really know your own identity yet. Anyway, to have a professional identity and an at home identity, and how do you sort those two out when you're not really equipped?
2: You it. you just become very flexible and, and uh you you get a, a hard shell real early. You know, yeah, you can't yeah. let things like you know, really hurt you too too much. You you, you don't um, Here's I mean, a that's question a, that's for you. no that was a good question. When you, Land you of left the Lost me kind of,
0: on, um, I mean this was long time ago, so you didn't have social media, you didn't have that instant connection with The haters and the lovers and everything else. What, what was it like to be in the spotlight at that time? Did you feel, well,
2: here's where that dichotomy comes into play again is, um, you know, when, when I was on the set, I I went to school on the set Mm -hmm. and, um, and I hung around with people that were all showbiz people, all my friends, even, um, uh, my friends that, Weren't on my show, they were on other shows. We always wound up in similar events and, and, you know, birthday parties and things like that. It was always like with my celebrity friends, you know, the Adam Riches, Moosey Dryers, all of those people that were my brat pack, so to say, back then. Um, but when we would go on hiatus, I was put back into public school and I had to, um, I explain it in the book. I had to live in an area where they um, had—they were—the homes were uh, zoned for horses, because my gift and my deal that I had struck with my mother was that if I ever landed a series, she would buy me a pony. <laughs> well, the day we signed the contracts for *Land of the Lost*, we went out that very day, and I bought my pony. My mom bought my pony for me, so we had to move to Simi Valley, which. Um, there wasn't anybody at that time, child or adult, that was in the entertainment field. So when I went to school, these kids had no understanding of what I did, why I did it, and they actually they they did not like me just because I was so foreign to them. Right. So I wasn't popular by any stretch of the imagination. The boys didn't like me. They were like, if we hang out with you, we're going to get teased, and they couldn't. They just couldn't deal with it.
0: It's like the opposite of what people expect. Right. I had
2: some guy the other day. I was at that um, at a, a bar actually um, that was playing the fight that that boxing match. Um, uh, the
0: Pacquiao fight.
2: Right. I was at a fight, and he says, "You know, one of my friends said he used to date you when you were in junior high." And I said, "You know what? That couldn't possibly be the case because there wasn't one boy <laughs> in all of Simi Valley that would have dated me." So. You know, I, I might have known him, you know, in, in passing, but I certainly didn't date him.
0: I didn't date you anybody until I same got out of restaurant. <laughs> booths next to each other. Yeah, but <laughs> I, no, mind, I, I never
2: dated anybody <laughs> in Simi Valley, and I'm not. I wasn't born there. On my Facebook page, right. or one of the pages, one of the sites that says I was born in Simi Valley. I was born in Massachusetts. Oh yeah, where? Weymouth.
3: Weymouth. I'm from Rhode Island. Okay. Yeah. New Englanders, yeah, yeah. There you go. Right. Pats fan still? No, no. <laughs> Especially nowadays, right?
2: You can't be. No, um, Red Sox.
3: Okay. There we go. There
0: we go. Okay, that one's. Boston. Boston.
3: Sorry, I'm from
1: New Jersey, so it has to be Padres. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I don't get that. Aren't they f- Texas?
1: Uh, they're from San Diego and oh. New Jersey. You've got the Yankees and the Mets. Right. Okay. So I'm from New Jersey, so it has to be. It's Steve's oh, okay. failed attempt at it. humor. I get it's, it. It's I get another it. another attempt at humor that okay. just went to the right. toilet. We always trust <laughs> Steve to just uh, crash and burn <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so aren't you so lucky that I'm hosting this? Uh, um, okay. Getting back to this, uh, your book. Okay. Just this huge section about uh, your marriages, getting into that. Um, You don't mind if we discuss that? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. Because it was just, for me, it was just a jaw-dropping, one jaw-dropping scenario that happened after the next. I mean, first you marry who you think is the love of your life, Mm -hmm. this wonderful person, and that in itself was, was... uh, like a Romeo and Juliet type of situation because his parents didn't want you near him? No. Uh, I mean, to go so far as to have him write a letter to you being dictated by them, mm-hmm. and you caught immediately. I mean, uh, here I am. I'm telling you the book. You tell Right, me.
0: right. I was wondering, when's she going to get to talk, Steve? No,
2: <laughs> no. Um yeah, that was that was some crazy times, but I did eventually hunt him down. <laughs> uh, and i you know, that could have been a, a terrific uh, family that we were. Cre- it could have worked out to be a terrific situation. It didn't, but once again, it's it's just one of those things where. You know, you, you're walking on this journey, and and you just have to thank the people that walked with you for a while, and and let them go. Um, I I did write the things, of course, in the book, and and it seems like I went on the attack on him, but. It, it those things had to be explained in order to see why i left you know exactly. why would you have left this so called what you said romeo and juliet fairy tale of a situation guess what it wasn't it wasn't like that had it been like that i'd have stayed on and you know still been probably on the farm you know <laughs> but uh it it wasn't the, the case the farm.
1: i mean going from land of the lost being a child well, we actor and then
2: this well what happens in in the business if you are of like an an average height or an average if you look your age once you become around 15 to 18 there's very very little work available for you because they would rather have somebody 18 that can play 15 and anybody pretty much can do that
0: so that they're not dealing with all I, the I child was, labor loss
2: right they don't have they can work you till you're you drop dead on the set at 18 but at Fifteen, they have to have you know the welfare worker and limited hours and what have you. So um, I I did still work. I actually worked right up until like a couple of weeks before I turned eighteen, just doing commercial work. I did like a series of Burger King commercials. (laughs) But uh, anyway, so the the business was kind of you know not so much fun for me at that point. Uh, So. This whole, like, next chapter of my life was, you know, to take on moving from Los Angeles, moving to this ranch out in Fallon, Nevada, and becoming a farmer. It was exciting, you know. It's it's kind of like when you're 18 and you think, you know, I should go to college because these next four years, you know, we're going to go by just like that. Why not do something with them that you know you you have in your pocket, you know? So that was that was something I I just um, I thought was a good idea. There was nothing going on here at the moment, so why not take take that leap and go do that? That
1: is incredible. Okay, so now we're. Um, And that was fun. That 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 time, yeah. What what was the change? What happened?
2: Well, you know, I was there.
1: Dollars worth of damage to your home. Okay.
2: Well, I was when I got to the farm. um, We were both, you know, even though we were the children of the owner of the farm. He he was he he was a congressman here, Alfonso Bell, and he was the grandson or the son of the founder of Bel Air, and so. he had a, a lot of magnetism, the father, my father-in-law. And so when he came on to the ranch and in this small town, a lot of people didn't like him because they thought this guy coming in with all this money, they just really judged him so quickly that he was like, a, he didn't know anything about farming, but little did he know the very reason Bel Air was founded was because they struck oil on their farmland. So he really did have this in his upbringing, you know? So anyway, um, I, I was just, I became just Bob Bell's wife and that was a role I was a little uncomfortable with. I, you know, I, I, I'm still, no matter if you're in the business or you're not in the business, you're still an entertainer. You still have the personality Mm -hmm. that needs something. You need to Mm -hmm. be uh, uh, doing something. And so, um, I, I started by bringing a few of my family members up because I was lonely, you know, and, uh, and then uh, I started that band, and and that kind of kicked it off. I was in search of doing something other than just being his wife. Sure, um, I I just kind of wanted some anyway, and so that's that's kind of started his bad behavior, and it it just ex- escalated from there.
1: The, to say it mildly, it, it, yeah. it escalated. I mean, shooting up the house,
2: right? And- but, but this this personality of his. Uh-huh was in him long before I ever met him because he had a record as long Mm -hmm. as your arm and then add the other arm to it. And it still was, I mean, his record came out on two rap sheets. So he, um, he had a lot of trouble before I ever met him. I just met him. I kind of, you know how it would happen is, you know, when you, You've no horses. So, you know, when you buy a horse and they've medicated him before you go and see it and ride it, Mm -hmm. he was kind of like that. He was a medicated horse, you know, that when I met him, he was this docile and kind. And they, I used to, his nickname was they call me mellow yellow because that's just who he was. And then this fire dragon that lived inside of him decided to blow some smoke and he blew it on me and that wasn't that was were you
0: aware of any of the the rap sheet stuff no prior to marrying him no no so it's no. like
2: no i mean he used, to, he, he used to brag a little bit about you know it things like just any guy would brag about you know oh i could you know do we all
0: blow smoke that. to
2: right all right peacock he, a little right, right. absolutely yeah. he was you know pluming out his feathers there but yeah, nothing that would have made me any big red flags.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. How how quickly into the relationship did you start to discover that you, you weren't in it with who you thought you were in it with?
2: Well, one of the things to me that was one of the biggest turnoffs about him was when we were working on the farm. The father had, when he purchased the ranch, he kept on... The, own, the prior owner of it, to run it for a while until we could get our footing, right? Mm-hmm. And my husband challenged this man and said, do you know who my father is? Well, when you use that kind of language to me, you just look like such a fool Yeah, to say, do you know who my father is it's like oh come on and the guy said i don't give a rat's ass who your father is and my husband picked up a two by four that was laying on the ground and he went to strike the guy and the guy says let me tell you something you son of a bitch he said you better really hit me hard with that because when i pick that thing up i'm tearing you to shreds (laughs) and i thought now you're a man that i respect my husband just made an absolute fool out of himself You know, yes, were we the owner's kids, you know, and, and all of that. But this this is a business that you start on the bottom of the totem pole and you learn and learn and learn. And the only time you can even come close to telling somebody how to do their job is if you've already done it and you know what it takes to do it. Respect you know? is
0: earned. not Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. And and I, I knew that because the being in my family, that's one thing my mother taught us. She taught us respect like no one's business. I mean, there was no cursing in our home, nothing like that. And there was no even argument. If mom said to do something, there was no sassing back or anything. She just gave you that, the great stone face look and you just did it. There was no questioning it. So his, um, his freshness that he had was kind of that freshness that some people get with entitlement, entitlement issues, you know, like he came from a privileged family and you know what? His family did not have that. His parents—they were very humble. They drove around in like beater cars. You would never know they had the kind of money that they had.
0: Well, they—they kind of—they were classy. They were classy. Dug, they, they were class well, they dug a hole into wealth, right? I mean, it the, the wasn't well, yeah. really.
2: Yeah, that's very wasn't funny really that how you they were brought that.
0: up, right? <laughs> so. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. No silver spoon the in first, their mouth to begin. No, with. No, they struck right? the so, number
2: one. Uh, uh, oil rig uh, for Union Oil that was their first well.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, okay, hey. So, <laughs> okay, so anyway, so yeah. now you know about Fallon, about him, about uh, Fallon. But then, um, after you were able to escape, husband number one, nightmare number one,
0: mm-hmm.
1: out of the frying pan and into the gasoline fire,
2: I would have to say. <laughs> uh, with the second I husband. did not remarry for a long time. Oh, okay, I had. A, um, I also lived with a, a gay man for five years. Okay, Tony. He's mentioned in the yes. book. Um, and I had. Uh, I had other small relation relationships, mm. but um, yeah, I didn't get married till I was in my um,
0: early thirties. Okay, were again. you were you gun shy about it? <laughs> to put it mildly, you know, I mean. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a fair question because, because it it, it always seems people who go through horrible relationships fall into one of two categories. They either avoid getting into another relationship right away or they jump straight into one, (laughs) you know? And
2: I actually, my second husband, I I didn't like him actually very much at all when I first met him. And he just was, he was so persistent. He, he, I was working, I, I was working at a burrito, um, Place and uh, I just worked a couple of days a week on the lunch hours. Kind of, they made me like their mascot. And uh, he, he, I lived in the marina at the time on the beach, and uh, he was the uh, dock master of the marina. So he'd come in every day for lunch and he just kept asking me out all the time. And I kept, you know, telling him, no, 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 you know, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in dating anybody right now. And so, anyway. Okay, this guy's, <laughs> he's angry. He's, yeah. an, he's an angry soul at the moment. Okay, okay so anyway, so, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, him. <laughs> it's him. Get out your two-by-fours. <laughs> um, so anyway, we started dating, and, and after a while, I guess I'd been with him maybe about a year. And I, I actually made him marry me.
0: So he wore you down, and then you got to a point where it became your idea.
2: Yeah. We had a small ceremony um, on the beach up in a place called Jalama. It's uh, up north. Really beautiful spot. Yeah.
1: And And then we
2: took off and and went to Mexico and did that whole Mexico thing. Yeah.
1: You were traveling all over. Yes. And then every once in a while, there's this little like a little snap. That,
2: yeah, that he he, would have. he was living a falsehood, my second husband. He did all the things that people do to look cool on the outside, like he he read all the metaphysical books, he did he wore all the, you know, dr- uh, dream catchers things and he had all the things that would make you look to on the outside appearance to be as cool and as mellow and everything, but he was nothing on on the that inside that whole, like, of what he was try- stuff at that, yeah at that point? oh he oh and he could talk the talk if, if you ever sat with him he could go for days on end you would think he was so and see that's what the two common bonds were my first one remember i told you it was mellow yellow mm-hmm. and that's what attracted me to him i like it because my personality being so big i like somebody who's very calm and cool that goes good with me right but somebody who's a who's an extrovert with me it, we'd just be like banging heads together (laughs) and and so it turned out that he was nothing like what he presented he was uh he was a a a very angry frustrated person yeah
1: uh that i would say putting it mildly yeah (laughs) because I, i jaw drop as i said there are scenes that you have depicted in this book just I would just sit and excuse me, but I would just say, what the serious fuck.
2: And the beatings that he gave me were really because he could not beat it out of me to give him what he wanted that was in me. You know what I mean? I really was the very thing he was trying to read about, wear jewelry about, talk about. I was actually really that on the inside And I didn't maybe have all the stuff that was going on on the outside, but I actually was really it. And he couldn't beat that out of me. And that's why in the book it talks about that one time he says he goes to that village. Uh And he says, I pretended to be like you when I was very well received. That's a weird thing to have somebody say to you. It really is. It, It blew my mind when he said that. He said, I pretended to be Like you, like, like, you know how you see somebody uh, do an impression of somebody and you actually see the person inside, like go inside them. And that's why they're, when they do that impression, it's so real because they Mm -hmm. actually encompass the person, you know? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. To what are you referring? It doesn't. It doesn't even necessarily have to be their face that looks oh. like the person. It's just that yeah. they like almost swallowed that person's, you know, aura, and then when they do the impression, it's exactly like that person. Yeah, they, yeah it's and, interesting. And a couple
1: of times there was just um, the most inappropriate moment when someone would approach you for an autograph.
2: Oh, my naked one. Yes. Well, because I had no option of clothing at that moment. Well, explain what happened. Well, we were, we when we were on the road, we would pull over to the most beautiful places. That's what kept me with him because we just went on the most unbelievable adventures. We'd pull over to like this beautiful lake that we somehow stumbled upon and we would be the only people there. And it was beautiful, tall grass. I mean, it was just picturesque, beautiful. And so we'd, we were living in like a camper, you know, and, and everything. And so we'd bathe there, we'd fish, we'd, we'd, you know, throw out our little grill and we'd cook there, you know, and then on we'd go to the next place, you know? So we were, we had just been swimming. And so I didn't have clothes on cause I was also bathing. And then he got angry with me because I wanted to have another beer. And so he locked the ice chest in the truck but then I remember there was a key that we tied underneath the thing. And when I went to go get it, that's when he ran me over with his truck and he took off. And he left me there, but he had locked the train. The- we had two vehicles at the time. He had his truck and he had the truck with the camper on it. And he took off in his truck, but he left me with the truck and camper, but lo- all locked up. And I had a rabbit and um, named Bunny Whaler, my Pekingese, Peekaboo Jones and our cat Ramona, and they were all locked in there. And so I was naked and I'm down by the lake. So I climbed up the hillside to where the road was. And I um, was just standing there and a woman drove by and she just looked out the window. She goes, domestic violence. And I shook my head and she said, I'll, I'll send somebody. And they, they came and they got me. And so these were just like paramedics that came out. So One of them gave me their jacket and so now I'm sitting because we had to call a tow truck to come and a special tow truck because this um, camper and and truck couldn't just be pulled by a regular tow truck. It had to go on a flatbed type Mm -hmm. of a tow truck. So we had to sit there for a while. You get talking, you know, and all of a sudden Land of the Lost came up and, you know. Once they got me back into my camper, I had some photos in there. So that's when I gave them the autograph. Okay. But it was too long-winded to okay. say it all in the story. Okay. So I just said, okay, and I gave him an autograph. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. the book,
1: it, it, it was just so odd that I know you naked. But, and it's like, oh, can I have an autograph? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't have a pen. Do you? Oh, I guess not.
2: But you know what? It really almost was like that. It was so macabre. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was... It's it was weird pretty sped up
0: for that or even i don't know it's strange, but you know what it's strange not
2: strange it, it really all of that anything that i write about this if you know me it's it's really none of these things are all that weird because like with Stephen and his brother that he just admitted in the beginning of this interview we are not the most approachable type of people <laughs> but i'm telling you we were almost best of friends by the end of that yes. flight so yeah. i can get people real fast to get to
0: you know, yeah, it's funny. He said, uh, he said, oh, I, I asked her if she'd come on the podcast and she said, yes. I said, yeah, we've heard that before. You know, did she give you contact information? He's like, yeah. <laughs> I, was <laughs> like, really? I was like, really? <laughs> like she didn't just take your card so she could blow you off. He's like, no, no, I've got her card. I was like, wow. Okay. This <laughs> oh, and here I am. Cool. Yeah, yeah. You know?
3: yes.
0: yeah. During that, during this time, were you at all trying to, to act or? Or had you pretty much? No, as a matter of fact, the
2: um, there was a big chunk of my life that I never even talked about land and lost mm-hmm. Just not because I oh I don't want to talk about that. It just wasn't. It wasn't a part was of my life. Different phase of your life. Yeah, I mean, you know, these people that I was meeting, like in Mexico, for instance, in these little villages, I didn't give a damn about that. You know, you know, they got excited because my two sons back in the states we were both working at McDonald's at the time and it was when Beanie Babies came out so they were they had a bunch of boxes and boxes of Beanie Babies they gave those to me and they brought them down to Mexico and, and gave them out in the little villages and stuff that's what they wanted to talk about oh mm-hmm. beanie the little, little kids mm-hmm. so no nobody ever talked about that and and uh how about those waves there good you know good wave there cuz we were all into surfing right. and everything so
3: right.
2: it was more about that
0: uh you surf
2: a shortboard or a longboard longboard yeah Tennis rider, Soul surfing. 7'6". Yeah. <laughs> no. oh. And when I say I surfed, I was the best paddler in the ocean. I can paddle like nobody's business as far as riding waves. Very few did I ever manage to get up on, but well, was, I had a good time. those tra- boards
0: going on a wave.
2: You know, it's I've been an athlete my whole life. Surfing is the most difficult sport I've ever attempted. Yeah. And it's because, you know, I have... When I said... Woo. When I said that, uh, that I, um, I need to sit in an aisle seat on the plane, and I, I said about my legs, I think that's why surfing was so difficult, because you do a pop-up yeah, to get on the board. And I have to collect my legs, the guy behind me's legs. i got to put so many legs underneath my arms. It makes my pop-up very difficult.
0: Yeah, I always had difficulty with a pop-up because my legs are so thick.
2: Okay. Okay. So it is. Trying it's all in the pop-up. Trying to up enough
0: to get, get it up right. on the pop-up was always very, very hard for me.
2: Right. Yeah. So.
0: So I got like tree trunks for legs.
2: <laughs> but I, I absolutely loved it. I loved being out in the ocean and I, I did a lot of
0: fishing. I actually preferred just sitting on a board out at the edge of the, the break. Yeah. You know, and, and my
2: Pekingese was a surfer. It. How about oh, that? yeah? Uh, and I'm that. not kidding you when I say he was a surfer. This you would know this. He had wave knowledge. Mm-hmm. So he knew how to stand and he would stand on the edge of the, the uh the water on the sand, watching The sets come in with other surfers, you know, standing next to him, and they look down at him, and he's a Pekingese. He's only like four inches off the ground, and they're looking at him, and and they have absolute respect for him because they know that, you know, he's telling them, you look at what you need to look at. I'm looking at what I need to look at. (laughs) It was amazing, and he loved to surf,
3: loved it. There's a uh, there's actually a surf contest every summer down in San Diego for dogs specifically.
2: Right, and there are dogs that people put on boards. Uh-huh. Um, that's not the kind of surfer he was. Uh-oh. He really, truly just knew the ocean. Uh-huh. You know, these guys put the dog on a board. You know, and then the the dog goes into the it's shoreline. Cute, yeah. That's a dog that's doing a trick. Yeah. My Pekingese, that's why he was respected because he understood the ocean. And when you talk to real surfers, the ocean is like a religion. It's not yeah. just a trick that you do. You know, he understood that.
0: Well, I always view the ocean as a living being. Yeah. Uh, well, it if is. You don't respect it. Right. Smack you around. Oh, in you. You know? <laughs> wash <you right> <laughs> oh, the
2: washing machine. Oh yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Been there many times.
2: In the washing machine? Yes. Oh, it's it's, it's I had
1: crazy. I two older brothers it would stuff me in. No. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> but I'm bumped. But i thank you. Are you Hawaiian, Dave? Uh, I am one half Filipino. Uh huh. And one half white mutt. So.
2: What was the white part? White mutt. Oh, white mutt.
0: Okay. <laughs> Euro everything. Okay. Actually, my mom was one half Spanish, like pure blood Spanish, and one half okay. Filipino. So. Spain, more, Spanish? Yeah, I'm more Spanish? European than anything. But uh, Hawaiian or, or Samoan tends to be what people ask. Right, right, right. Or a bit of that, Mexican. Mostly just because we're near, near Mexico where we live. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a large, dark-skinned guy. So I, I guess I get the Samoan references. <laughs> Uh, especially when i'm next to steve i look really yeah, dark well
1: a- anybody looks dark next to me i mean I'm practically uh, he's so. like
0: a giant marshmallow in a t-shirt yes okay. I, my uh yeah, Let me start calling uh, you stay puffed yes <laughs> he's from new york right I, yeah from new jersey
1: yeah well oh yes he's a sailor he's in town, town.
2: <laughs> however we yes. have discussed every god awful thing that i've ever put myself yes. through yes humiliating so, but there are a lot wonderful of wonderful things that happen. fun things yes. in my life Th- those a ton ton of that of just them. hit me in the face that right I just right to and i have no problem talking about it okay
1: whatsoever
0: he, steve's but. a little relationship shell-shocked himself so yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just relates well to so are we all I, yeah. uh, well. we all are
1: True. I mean we all have our yeah. You know, the best way I can describe your second husband. Our generation is the, is the
2: social experiment yes. right now. You know, we have had to deal with so many things, you know, that our parents and their parents there was no such things as the things that we deal with today. Exactly. You know, there well, wasn't the a, there the wasn't a Caitlyn so Jenner. The was, there a Caitlin, was there a Caitlin? Was there Caitlin Jenner in your grandparents' day?
0: No, we were actually talking about no. Caitlyn Jenner driving over here, was freaking Steve out.
2: And it's no, but it's it's just it's it's not that big of a deal. I'm sure there was in the closet some of those. Well, but I'm just saying we we. One of
3: them ran the FBI. Hoover,
2: Hoover. Hoover. yeah, Hoover.
1: Well, also, I mean, I would say the biggest uh, the biggest story of that time was uh, uh, Christine Jorgensen. Was the uh, was that her name? The tennis pro who who. Uh, was transgender one of the first transgender.
2: I didn't know her. I'm sex- thinking of the other one. Th- the I'm Swedish st- one. What's oh. her name? No, 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 no. no. Um, I
1: went Christine Jorgensen thinking that was her. Um, yeah, I'm
2: thinking of the other one. The uh, blonde. She's yes, a blonde woman. Uh, Martin, yeah, Martina. Yes, 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 yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, she's not transgender. Good one.
2: Good one there, Billy <laughs> Jean. You pull
0: that one up. Mark's <laughs> yeah. like, yes. <laughs> 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 it, it is a it is an interesting thing you say you know we're a social experiment because the world has so dramatically changed absolutely since like World War One just right. it's been put on hyper speed. Population explosion, technology changing so I much. I know, I know. I mean, you amazing. talk about growing up on a farm—that used to be the norm, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And now, as of what three years ago, the norm is living in a city. I mean that—that's—that's right. that's a first. I in know. The One of, of the mankind. saddest
2: things when I was living on the farm was um, we had to destroy some of our grains, like our corn and our and our wheat and. Uh, We had to destroy it and we had to have receipts to show that we actually destroyed it. We asked, can we, you know, just give it, you know, to an organization, a charity or something? No, we actually had to destroy it in order to keep the prices down. And that's to me, like, I I just can't even fathom that, how we can destroy food purposely (laughs) (laughs) to keep a price down, you know, so... Yeah, we live in some very strange times.
0: Economics out of control. And then you
2: see, you know, in one breath, we're doing that. And then the next breath, you flip on the TV and there's these kids crying their eyes out with bloated stomachs because they're starving to death. You know, it's just, it's, we're, we're some, some uh, strange people these days. But we're part, we're necessary. This, all of this ugliness, this illusion, it's necessary for progress, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, you now it's, it's God's plan.
0: Well, eventually the universal have out and.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. We, we will
0: meet our comeuppance. It yeah, happens there's, to There's everything. a thing
2: called the Royal Celestial Air Force. <laughs> And uh, they say that you know we're not going to let your little pop guns and all of this you know ever hurt Mother Earth. When it's never going to happen, mm-hmm. you know. And we've been and they use this term "girding," which is a word that isn't used very of- often. But I would I would think that it the the uh, uh, oh, what do you call it? Uh, Oy, oh, brain fart. <laughs>
0: We all have them. I, I know this Steve one's a, a good one. Steve has <laughs> them regularly.
2: <laughs> no, when the the word origin, the word origin. That's what I was trying to come up with. The word origin from girded, I would think, would be something like girdle. So they kind of have, you know, been girding our planet. The Royal Celestial Air Force. Okay. Okay. So gird
1: is basically to don to put on. So you gird on your armor, you put on your armor. Well, then they on they sword have been they on have sword. been
2: putting on their armor around okay. the earth.
1: The girding, yes. Gird has is put around. As the gird. Well, that's, <laughs> that's something that's,
3: totally different. That's totally different. That's like, okay. yes, yes.
1: Girdle, and the girth, you know, the whole. The
2: whole well, they're the girdle. ones who used it. I just, it's it just, to me, it sound, it's like a word I've not, you know, heard that often. So when they said they were girding our planet, I, I just thought that was meaning like protecting it, like holding it close and Mm -hmm. like a girdle. (laughs) Okay. Who cares? That's enough of that. You
0: you have a, you have a really beautiful spirit. I mean, it's obvious just sitting and chatting with you. How, how did you develop? How did you develop? Thank you. How did you develop that within, you know, the confines of growing up in Hollywood and then all the trauma that you went through with your husbands? How, How do you, how do you maintain that? Positivity and that that kind of joyous outlook on the world. It really
2: just is, it's a split second away from you have two choices. You can either do it one way or you can do it another way. And Mm. in a single second, you can make that decision Am I going to be happy about this or am I going to be sad? And I've been sad in my life plenty, plenty of times and heartbroken but i always knew like that one time in the book where i talk about my fiance leaving me right when my mom died mm-hmm. like in the same week right. those two things were so those were so devastating to me unbelievable i got so sick It was horrible, but I remember running out onto my front lawn and I just screamed at the universe, next, you know, as loud as I could. (laughs) And I, I told myself, you know what, at least I will never, ever again feel that particular pain. That one is gone and done with that one. will never get me again. I can't lose my mom twice and no, no man will ever, ever any man, woman, or anybody Ever bring me to the point where I forget to love myself. I won't do it. I'm no good to anybody on this face of the earth if I don't. Yeah. And so by loving me as much as I possibly can, gives me compassion for every other breathing soul on this planet.
0: Wow. Sounds a lot like the lessons my dad taught me uh, quite a bit the last 10 years before he passed away. I'm also away. an Aquarian, by the way, so I okay. feel
2: everybody's feelings. I can, I, yeah. I walk into a room and I can feel Everything. It's a very strange totally phenomenon. Empathetic. Yeah. I just, it's, it's something I can't even run away from. Yeah. It's very strange. So go, I'm sorry, and your father. My,
0: my dad used to tell me um, you choose to be a victim or you choose to live. And the choice is yours.
2: At any second.
0: At, at any time. Right. And he's like, it's okay to feel sad. Yeah. Feeling sad is part of life. Right. But wallowing in sadness is your decision. Right. He's like, so, you know, make your pick, choose what you want to do. But if you choose to be sad and stay sad, that's your business. <laughs> you know, it's not everybody else's business. Nobody caused you to choose that for yourself. Right. Um, and it was wildly true. I've found in my own life.
2: <laughs> I know that our it's so funny. Our parents, they think that we don't listen to them. But basically... Up until the point of, uh, up until the age of five, they have, or at the age of five, I, I should say, they have taught us everything that we need to know to survive on this planet. That's Hopefully. hot, don't run in the street, you know, uh, you need to eat, you know, you need to sleep. We know by the age of five every single thing that we need to know. So then it just becomes noise in our ears, what they're telling us. And also, so they think that it's just noise in our ears. But I find myself repeating things that my mother used to say to me yeah. and and actually doing things nowadays. Like my mom, she hated it when I wanted to grow my bangs out. She hated it that I used to bite my fingernails. All these things that I used to fight her, I'd bite my fingernails to spite her. I'd, I'd want to grow my bangs out because I didn't want to look like Holly all for the rest of my life. Who do I look like today? I got fingernails. I got bangs.
0: I I look exactly like
2: what my mom wanted me to look like, you know? That's hilarious. And I'm in my 50s, for God's sake. The other thing my
0: dad always instilled in me was, if you don't love yourself, nobody else can love you.
2: Oh, that's the best one. Can you believe the nerve of someone that doesn't love themselves to try to convince somebody else? I don't love me, but... You should, you know, <laughs> that's that old thing. Like this tastes like crap. Here, taste this, yeah. you yeah. know. I mean, well, it, well and, and the, and the flip side of it is, that?
0: if you're not trying to convince somebody to love you, then you're looking for your acceptance through their love as well. Right. You can't which, do that one either, which is a psychotic reflection, right? right, I mean, right, right.
2: <laughs> Can you convince me to love me?
0: <laughs> you know, you're mm-hmm. at completely at the whim of somebody else for for your happiness. Which is
1: tough.
0: <laughs> I think yeah. that's a cycle I know too many people are in. You're looking at me. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're just to my right. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm still having neck pains and I can't quite look at Mark. Okay. okay. <laughs> i
3: <Right> had <at> like <laughs> a rough year too. Really Can we hear about life? it? Yeah. Well, uh, I dated a girl for five years and uh, I thought she was the one and, uh, Last summer she left me, so I went through a dark patch for a couple of months. But you know, like you said, uh, you can't—not that you can't put all your eggs in one basket—but you gotta uh, you gotta self-love too. Yeah. Exactly. And say, you know, this person, in a way, they completed me, but it's also they're not just me. They were just a sliver of me. You know, we had some great years and some great times. Fortunately, you know, when you break up, you not only mourn the past, but you mourn the future. And that's, that's the toughest thing I had to, uh, to kind of. I
2: have to. a terrific suggestion for you, Mark. Yes, There's a exactly. movie, it's a documentary, it's on Netflix called The Way. The Way. It's Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. It's not
1: a documentary, it, that's a, an actual. Uh,
2: well, it was the listed walk? The Way. Uh, I've seen it. It's fabulous. It's, it's an good, incredible yeah. movie. Have you
3: seen it, Mark? Uh, no, I've heard of it though.
2: It's absolutely fabulous. And and when I was talking about the walking and the journey, the yeah. pilgrimage mm-hmm. that you go on, it's it, sure. this whole life is a pilgrimage. Yeah. And and that walk that's in Spain, the Camino del Santiago. Yes. That um, I'm saying it wrong, but it's but, something yeah, like it, that. It, it, it's, it's a pilgrimage, it's, and you can take three weeks to walk it. You can take three months to walk it. But you people walk with you for maybe a day or so and they'll say, you know what? I think I'm going to hang out in this village. You know, I'll I'll maybe hook up with you later. And then somebody else starts walking with you. And that's what you have to look at with this woman who left you. Mm -hmm. You have to thank her for walking with you for a while, but Mm -hmm. basically also thank her because you know what? She got out of the way so somebody else can be in your life. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah. Because look
2: at this. Watch. (laughs) As long as this is sitting here, nothing else can be here. So the second I move this away this can come and sit here.
3: Yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, and it's been less than a year coming up on uh, 10 months now, but I've I've improved so much in the last five or six definitely. But if sure. you and, look at
2: it like, you know, yeah. you 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 got better, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's good. But to Be able to get to a point where you thank them. I thank my husband Mm. for getting out of my, my first one, my second one. I'm thanking them now. Did I, like I said, I know I wrote bad Mm. things about them in the book, but I had to in order to explain who I am today, what Mm. I've, what I've been through or, or none of it would have made any sense. But I thank them. I thank them for many things, you know. And, and to, when you get to the point where you can thank her for, get, yet, for being, for, yeah, I know, I get it. I get too. it. I hear <laughs> yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And when that's when it, it really starts to feel good that you can look back and go, I, I'm so glad that, that I walked with her for that time in my life because yeah. she did teach me some things and, and you'll hold on to some of the nuggets that you two shared together. And it just, it makes you richer. That's all. Yeah. She made you a richer person for yeah. being with you, Hopefully, you know, yeah.
3: just right yeah. after the fact that you feel. Oh we'll yeah, broken, empty.
2: <laughs> right. Oh no, I, I get it. I, yeah, I yeah. trust me. It's I've I've been, broken, I've been broken. I've been empty. I've been empty, broken. Yeah. Been,
0: <laughs> yeah, the thing about that space being vacated mm-hmm. is it's a vacated space in your life, and right. you have it to, takes, learn to it takes time. Right. One of the best right. thing that can
1: happen is to get to what's called a place of nothing, where you can create possibilities out of nothing. So make that space, and. Have those possibilities come to you? Draw
3: those possibilities to you. All right. You're so, Mark, at like, are you like,
2: okay like, over there now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm <Okay>. fine. Yeah.
3: <laughs> we're doing good. We're doing good now. Did you guys leave? Months. Did you guys leave on, on at least speaking terms? Uh, well, the good thing the last couple of weeks we've been kind of just texting about small stuff. Uh, but at least we're communicating. But yeah, the 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 end of it was not pleasant, especially for me. It was basically uh didn't see it coming it wasn't mutual um, it happened fast i was confused and convoluted and never really got a full answer and i i might not ever and you know you question maybe it was me maybe it was me i should have done this i should have done that but after a long term you kind of look at the everything and you say maybe it wasn't me maybe it was her maybe it was us you know so that's where i'm at right now so
2: and it's both yeah it's it's yeah. you and it was her exactly yeah so you know it it's yeah. it's just both yeah exactly yeah. the
3: answer is just both yeah but um I did have another question uh, okay let it uh, rip uh your what are the responses from uh, the people in your life to your book oh I'm
2: getting good responses. I just got a good one okay. on my way here from the. Uh, preservation society well, okay they they really loved it I mean they said I could have left out a few curse words but oh, they really? said it's okay they they even said it was okay yeah. because it did kind of fit into uh, you know the the drama the dramatic uh, high point of the story I had to like right. belt out a good f-bomb you know yeah. but they said that you know in today's society and, and in our films and in our other arts forms you know whether music or what have you you know there is there is there are curse words yeah. but you know i didn't invent these things no, you know i was just were. telling steven i know darn well that our president when something goes a funk in north korea yells out a good old f-bomb in the oh, oval there, office
0: there, go those, there, there goes those fuckers yeah, again.
1: i mean the north koreans
2: <laughs> might be threatening us with bombs but i know there's some f-bombs in that old that white house <laughs> up
1: there and i'm sure that he's not the only one that has, that has said them
2: no, and I no, didn't. I didn't just. It's, it's, it's human. swear yeah. profusely through the book, no. but every once in a while, a good old fashioned. You know, if- yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, was, it was natural. It was organic. Come on now, Mark. You know you let a few of those fly oh, of the last yeah. ten months. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. That's
0: true. Definitely. We, we swear a ton on this show. <laughs> yes. This is the cleanest episode we've had in a while.
2: <laughs> well, let's all give it a one one for the for the show. What give the it siri- your best one. What the serious fuck, really? Is that your best one? Yes. Okay. What the serious? Okay, let's hear yours, Mark. What the flying fuck?
0: That's a good one? Okay. Mm. I, I just like a good fuck me. <laughs> that's like, oh, that's, that's a favorite.
2: good one. Okay, what's the my one? The other one I do is fuck balls. Fuck balls. Yeah. Uh, that's my favorite
0: one. Is <laughs> 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 there something else you want to reveal on our podcast, Mark? <laughs> that's it. That's it. I don't, no, it's not okay. uh, Not in the
3: literal. <laughs> just like shit balls. It's, it's balls. Like it's <laughs> <said>, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sorry.
2: Okay, that is. <laughs> I have to do
3: this mine now. This is not what now. Steve, is is not what Steve
0: expected to be doing in no, the episode. No, uh, actually, i He's going I can't believe um, I'm sitting actually, here swearing with Kathy Coleman. <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: fucking well, A. Fucking
1: A. But you you got to always
0: oh, have a
2: fucking kidding, A. You know,
1: the looks that we got on the airplane, <laughs> on the plane, we are just being all raucous and, and rowdy on the and talking up a storm on the plane. People were just looking, saying,
3: We're trying to sleep over here. Oh, really? <laughs> Just just a couple
1: up, like, I didn't really care at that time. And we also have an, another person who was on the podcast who,
3: ah, you Carla.
1: know, you, you, Carla, um, she actually has met you. She's a press photographer, uh, but uh, <laughs> she is very prudish when it comes to, you know, her language. Uh, uh, sorry, the, uh, Carla. Uh, humor and stuff. She humor. goes,
0: she gets all blushed when we're recording. Sorry, Carla. And she just. She just shuts down when that happens. I can't believe the things you record sometimes.
2: She's from Rhode Island
1: too, so yeah. we think you know
3: she'd be like that salty New Englander type. I did
2: a, a convention in Rhode Island, uh, oh, did. I think almost two years ago. Uh
3: huh was it a at the, yes?
2: at, the uh, yeah, at the Dunkin Donuts?
3: Yeah, the Dunkin Donuts center. C- center, yeah. It used to be the Civic Center. And do you I know there, there isn't one province. Dunkin
2: Donuts are are a totally different breed on the East Coast than oh, yes. than they are out here. Oh yeah. They don't have the good coconut ones out here. No. Not no. yet. The cake coconut just, and they the just devil's food. Here, so. mm-hmm. Well, they just don't have them, oh, yeah. but anyway, I was dying for one when I was in Rhode Island, and yeah. we're in the damn Dunkin' Donut Convention Center, <laughs> right? And this guy said, "Can I get you something?" You know, this guy that walked by my table, he goes, "Can I get you something, some of Coke or something?" And I said, "If you can score a Dunkin' Donut coconut cake." The devil's food or the white. I I would love you for the rest of my life. He searched that whole convention center, not one damn Dunkin' (laughs) Donuts. Dunkin'
1: Donuts Center. You can't find a Dunkin' Donut. Right. Amazing.
0: Amazing.
2: Speaking of conventions.
1: I was
0: going to say, when did you start doing conventions?
2: About seven years ago.
0: And, And what's that experience like for you? I love them. I absolutely love them.
2: I have been told it's a bunch of people most.
0: just wanting to be happy right oh uh, <laughs> people yeah people ask me all the share. time why do you do conventions why is it so exciting for you to go oh, to conventions I'm like, I love being around people who are just so happy to uh, geek out you they know? are
2: a ball they are so much fun and and I get to, I, I've heard some of the most incredible stories from people, unbelievable stories. And just to be able to, you know, I, I tell them, the people that come to my table, I say, you know, I know what it's like to be on this side of the table, and I know what it's like to be on that side of the table. And mm-hmm. I'm telling you, if if David Cassidy back in my day were at a place where i could go and just talk to him or or have him at my you know my beck and call you know for the whole weekend to be able to just walk by him and look at him i would have died for that you know so i get if i if you're a fan of our show i get why you're standing on the other side let's and you know what i'll answer any of your questions about was it fun wearing that red shirt was it fun wearing the braids i'll do it because you know what i i i I feel obligated and it's fine. I have no problem. But you know what? You only have a few minutes to talk to me because there's a person behind you, you know, or whatever. Let's, can you please just ask me some things or tell me something that when you walk away from here, you feel like you actually got to like have a conversation and we actually got to bond on some even minuscule, tiny level. Let's do that. Let's have that moment so we can both laugh. You know, tell me about your uncle. What did he do? Okay. He broke this. He did that. He farted. What did he do? tell me. And so I get, I get them. Yeah. See, (laughs) he broke something. I am am
0: that guy for some people, Uh,
2: uh, uh, uh. (laughs) you know? So yeah, I, I enjoy them. And some people tell me wonderful stories. A woman once rolled up in a wheelchair to my table and people bring me gifts and things like that, you know, on occasion. And she asked me if she could give me something and I said, well, yeah, I, you know, fine. You know? And she said, it's, it's not, it's not anything, like what you're thinking. She said, it's it's just a story. And I said, oh, bring it on. And she said, you know, when ever since I can remember from the time I go to bed at night till the time I wake up in the morning, I'm in constant pain. And she said, that half an hour on Saturday mornings when I got to go to the land of the lost and just escape was a half an hour where I never felt one ounce of pain. And she said, I just wanted to be able to share that with you.
1: Oh, that's, cool. wow. oh, that's, that's a gift. Oh, that is a definite gift.
2: You know, wrap that one up and put it under my tree every year, you know. And I had these other, this young couple came up to me, not young necessarily, but in their 40s or whatever, and uh, they were both blind. They both lost their eyesight at the age of 10, and they had watched Land of the Lost up until that time of losing their eyesight. They met in the blind school. Wow. Mm. And I've got it filmed. It's it's it can be yeah. seen like on my Facebook page. The guy is touching the stack head and, and you can Feel his memories, you know, yeah. coming back to him, and and the wife is like petting me, like we're taking <laughs> pictures, and she's petting my back mm-hmm. and touching my hair, and she goes, "Oh, you've gotten so tall." She goes, "And your hair's so long." And they, I let them feel my face. Yeah. It was like, you know what? Do whatever it is that brings those those childish memories to you. It's That's it's awesome. yeah. So things like that rock was, my world.
1: There was one uh, interview that I saw you doing. Uh, uh, unfortunate that the guy was such a jerk but you were talking about this five-year-old girl that um that she gave you uh, she's telling you a story that she knew the show so well that you were so blown away by her
2: oh actually you know that flick guy oh
1: was that flick guy no it wasn't him oh okay
2: not the not the flick puppet but it was a little boy i think it was that came up either before him or after... It must have been before him because I mentioned it to the Flick character. Oh,
1: okay, it was to Flick. And it was a
2: little boy who who knew all the characters. He knew... Uh, the titles to the each episodes and everything, and he just rattled it off. He was just this fountain of information, and, and he could barely even. His eyeballs were like right parallel to the table, but he was just like you know going on and on. And he was so full of life and just un- unbelievable that he was just such a bright, bright kid.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. That you,
2: we're in such a society,
1: we're in such a world where stuff like that could be seen and by. All generations now. I mean, sometimes when I would talk about stuff that I've seen in the past. When I was explaining to Mark about Land of the Lost, it's like, oh, the the, the movie. I'm like, no, no, no. Bef- the movie the was TV based show. on a t- the, an actual TV show, loosely, <laughs> loosely. <laughs> Basically, the name. Um, but uh, I had to explain to him, you know there was an actual. This was based on an actual TV shows. And there was a whole world that Sid and Marty Croft had that was a whole
2: funky doodle experience i'll tell you it was funky like you can't believe yeah uh
1: the entire you had um hr puff and stuff no 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 the film
2: the film film. was a very weird 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 experience for me It, it it was so confusing i had i explained it it's i had a uh, wardrobe, two wardrobe people come to my house and fit me for an outfit. And then I had sides that were delivered to my house with my name highlighted, you know, Holly, you know, so all my lines were there. And then to arrive on the set and them say to me, What lines? And I was like, no 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 no, I don't care if I have to trip over a cable or something. I'm saying something this is mm-hmm. this is my my something I've been waiting for forever at that point we we had been we had been told a hundred thousand times, you know they're gonna eventually make a movie of this and then that day came, and then to rip it out, you know on Wesley, we had a cameo in in the film, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, on our trailers it said the man." And the woman, that was the names on our trailers. Oh, we wow. weren't even given like our character names. <laughs>
1: the man, the woman. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I've seen And of course the, I got sick and,
2: and, and that was a bad thing. And I it mean, was just.
1: You know, if you just look at it as is the scene, because I've, it's on YouTube. I've been able to see it. You know, if you don't know the backstory about that scene, what, what you had to go through in order to just do that one scene. Uh, you would look at it and going, What the hell is wrong with you? Because you just had this look in your eyes and the way you delivered your line like something something oh, was
2: wrong. Oh, I, I was not myself that yeah. day at all. Yeah, you were violently all. sick. Oh yeah. I was I was really bad off. And really bad you know, off. I I was bad idea. off that that day physically and psychologically. I was I was not on my game at all. And
1: when they finally, you finally see it, and it's just, okay. And, you know, it's not the scene that I would put in a movie like that you know, to give you a cameo, the, the two of you, a cameo. I would have you two dressed as your characters from the show, okay, as adults,
3: like, uh, working.
1: Starsky and Hutch did that. Yeah, Starsky and Hutch did that. But have you working at the tar pits digging and seeing and seeing him.
2: Okay. And, oh, it could have been so much. The and, whole film could have been yes. a whole different film. Yeah. I would have loved to have directed that film because yeah. I'll tell you what I think was the part that was missing. And the fans would have absolutely loved this. Say for instance, you, you get off work early on a Friday cause you know, you're going camping and, and you quickly get up the mountain to get to the campsite before dark and, and all you can do by the time you get there is just kinda half ass set the tent up and and do a couple of little things in the darkness, right? And you're gonna handle all the other business in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. Well now you stay there for a few days and eventually your campsite starts to take form. You've now got firewood, so you've put got a pile of firewood and you've got the you know, you know where you can get water. There's a little creek over there and you start to make it like a little temporary living situation, right? right. Now if we We were in the land of the lost for 40 years. Don't you think I would have probably had something, just not because we hunted them down, but just say, for instance, a sleaze stack died from old age or something and croaked in the middle of the jungle, that we might have maybe made like a backpack out of him, you know, like a (laughs) sleaze stack backpack or boots or something. I mean, it didn't, the show never showed our progression, Right. You know, I mean, we, we've been there for 40 years. Don't you think we would have found something more than just strawberries and carrots? <laughs> our, our whole food menu would have gone up a notch or two. Our our campground lived, would have lived looked. for a couple
1: of years on Grumpy alone.
2: I mean, we would have just had more more things going on, you right. know. We would have built more things. We would have had more twine from the trees and braided them and made nice rope kind of you uh, know what I, I mean I, I feel and like, it didn't show any of that I feel like most
0: of the movies that have been made on old TV shows have missed the mark My friend's a director. Almost 100% of the time.
2: My friend's a director. And he said in in this uh, brainstorming meeting that he was in a while back, they were talking about doing the Gilligan's Island movie. And he said, my friend, Kathy Coleman, was on Land of the Lost. He said, wouldn't it be a hoot? Now, if you want to do a spoof, like they spoofed the whole Land of the Lost movie, which was wrong. They should have done the more, like I thought, the... For the fans, it was a gift to the fans, not mm. somebody to just
0: not a vehicle for somebody to uh, do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: and so, but if you wanted to do put something funny out in the movie Gilligan's Island, it would have been funny if my he my friend suggested that myself and Chaka come walking out of the jungle at some point in our <laughs> costumes. <laughs> yeah. Because they're two lost worlds, right. basically, right. and to have us, you know, sort of our two worlds kind of collide like, and have us come out of the jungle, right. that would have been funny. Yes, yeah, yeah it's very funny. Yeah. Just like in the film, the only funny thing in that entire Land of Lost movie was when he's playing the uh, a gourd accordion. Uh, guitar thing uh. and the bug drops on his shoulder and the kids go ah like that and he goes good one and he added it to the song because that's us going over the waterfall going ah like that right. that was clever right but
3: I, I, oh sorry yeah I, was, I, was, I saw Will Farrell on a um, uh, a talk show and he was talking about how he last time he was maybe it was Letterman he was like oh last time I was on the show I was promoting that movie Land of the Lost like, you know how usually if they mention something on a talk show, the crowd goes nuts? Nothing from no, the crowd. Nobody said anything. Nothing from the crowd. Did and they throw goes, anything at him? It's just an awkward <laughs> moment. <laughs> and Will Powell just goes, well, you can't win them all. <laughs> yeah. And then... The he won the nuts. Razzie that year. Did he really? Yeah, uh, so did the film.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, deservedly so. Because...
3: <laughs> Um, I mean, oh, It was it's a
2: question at all these conventions that I do, and people ask me the question very hesitantly. Yeah. Like, do you mind if we ask you, you know, what did you think of the movie? What? And I tell them, it was horrible. Okay. It wasn't, well, what now what I say is it just, it wasn't Land of the Lost. That's all I can say. Had no. the title, but it wasn't certainly the show. Yeah. Yeah. No.
3: and I, I, mean, I, I bit my tongue earlier in the uh, this podcast about an hour ago just because I'm like, Oh, I don't even want to mention it because it might be a sore subject with you. But oh, no. no, it isn't. Yeah.
2: It okay. isn't. It was a bomb.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Okay. A $200 million bomb.
3: Wow. We were in a bomb about 10 years ago called oh. uh, What's the Big? You guys with the
2: Flick was a bomb, you said. <laughs> oh, Flick was a bomb, too. Yeah, yes. that's all we needed.
3: Uh, we need Flick we, to be uh, a character.
1: <laughs> uh, there's a uh, uh, now an annual uh, event in L.A. called SciFest. It happens the entire month of May. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they put on these uh, one-act science fiction plays uh, at the Acme Theater, and we were at the uh, kickoff party, and we were meeting with a lot of the actors, a lot of them people from science fiction. Uh, we had Tim Russ from, uh, from, from Voyager and uh, several other people. Spaceballs. Space, and also Spaceballs. We had uh, uh, Patricia Tallman. She was from Babylon 5. And one of the people there was Flick. Yeah this puppet and we tried to interview him and i've never had i mean i've interviewed pup uh puppeteers before um i am an amateur puppeteer i'm an amateur ventriloquist i have never met a puppeteer that had zero no zero across the board zero personality zero voice i mean and and zero humor. I mean it was just I mean he was he was this nerd. I mean it was just his character was a nerd but at least give me something to work I mean we were
2: tossing him Who's the puppeteer in Vegas? He won America's Got Talent. What's oh, his name? Gosh. Um, um, um I, he invited me to his show. He's extremely gifted. Yes. Yeah. What's his name? Um, um I uh, no, no, Come on, what's his name? Oh, it's really um hard for me to God. Those names. I
3: you got
1: it. You look it you're looking up. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, IMPB. Anyway, Siri. he
2: had, he, when I went to his show, I went backstage and everything, and he's got all these beautiful puppets and everything. But he had my Land of the Lost lunchbox. Oh, and so like, sweet. Made his, Well, because, you know, the Crofts are puppeteers. Yes. That's what their where their yes. beginning yeah. was in, in that. And uh, he, he was a big, huge fan. He had me sign a bunch of autographs for him and stuff. Yeah. It was really
1: neat. And you're, Mentioning the crops, and you also mentioned the book with the crops. So you, there has to, had to be some sort of uh, psychedelic uh, chemicals, <laughs> you think? <laughs> it was the seventies too. <laughs> this, that, that was their inspiration for a lot of these programs because you had HR Puffin Puffin stuff, right? You, Lidsville, you Lidsville. That had to be the the craziest show that I had ever seen. I mean, Butch Patrick from.
2: Eddie,
0: uh, Eddie, Eddie
1: from Munster,
2: the Monsters. right? Uh, yep. Yeah.
0: Terry Fader. Terry Fader.
2: Sorry, um, Terry. <laughs> um,
1: oh, he was amazing. He's amazing. He, he, he's, he was absolutely incredible.
2: He was so um, good.
1: Um, but Lidsville, Bugaloos. <laughs> um, I don't know if it was Sid Marty Croft, but it was with Johnny Whitaker. It was Sigmund and the Sea oh, of Monsters. Course. Yeah. yeah.
2: Do you know Enoch from my show? Yes. He was the voice of Sigmund.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. That's such a
2: He was also Burp and Slurp. Burp and slurp.
1: <laughs> Okay. All right. Yeah, I could see that. Was, yeah. He probably was on Lidsville as well because he- He was, he was so the many, voice of many. Yeah, so very many voices that he was on.
2: He was also the miner on our show, that old miner in the early episodes- oh, With the cannon. Yeah. That was Enoch.
3: Oh,
1: Wow. Okay. So I'm, uh, I'm going to have to start binge watching again. Time to wrap it up. Okay.
2: <laughs> and it can, before we wrap it up, can we at least say where they can get Absolutely. the book? Yes. yes. Please. Please. Goodness lovely. gracious. Hey, fun Please. Fun Please. Fun yeah, fun it's Lost Girl. It's by me, Kathy Coleman. It's the uh, truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, Kathleen. And it's available on Amazon. Um, it's also available autographed on eBay and uh you can order it currently at Barnes and Noble and i will be coming to Comic-Con July 11th you will. <gasps> not to i don't know it's kind of crazy but i think we're doing a panel there and we might be bringing a clip of our documentary that we did called oh. Finding Spencer oh, which is awesome. a documentary we did that is a uh, it is raw cool documentary it's not Please. it's not scripted okay. it's Please. off the hook spencer the father who left the show in the second season he lives in wisconsin we rented a van with a camera crew and wesley philip myself <laughs> and the uh street cleaner pay no mind to the
0: street sweeper
2: We've had one of everything today. <laughs> <laughs> a man, I think he was going through a divorce. Yeah, him. A guy yelling.
0: We had the <laughs> motorcycle. We really had a divorce lawyer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, one of the two. Uh, uh, uh.
2: And you thought you had a bad mark.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: right? you don't get it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, really. You only said fuck once. <laughs> so anyhow, okay. So, all so of you were going to be we, in.
0: Yeah, we're in
2: it. Oh, Wesley, myself, and Phil. But in the documentary, we are all in it. Yeah. But what we did was we rented this cargo van and and the camera crew and myself, Wesley and Phil, who was Chaka, we all drive for like three and a half hours. And we're all talking, laughing, off the hook, funny, funny, funny stuff. And then good stories, sad stories. We go through every single emotion known to mankind. Tears, laughing, everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we wind up on Spencer's property, and we knock on the door, and what happens after we knock on that door is... Gold? Off the charts. Oh, wow. (laughs) So is this available anywhere you can see? Not yet. Not yet. You know, we're kind of getting a little screwed on this whole deal. I produced it. I had a friend of mine that executive produced it, and then we had a guy that was editing it. And this, we've just had some problems with people... Sort of claiming that it's theirs when it's really not, you know, and uh. and there's there's so many people that can say, well, I was in the van, and because I was in it, I won't sign off. Well, if they don't sign off, we can't run it. Right. But I suggested that we do like they do on the news when there's a kid involved in the news clip. Borrowed they just, out. Ble- yeah, yeah. Why can't we do that? Yeah.
0: I think there's a solution. Yes. Blur them out and uh, right. process But their anyway, voice, we so. do,
2: we are going to have like a little clip of it as a teaser at the convention. Mm-hmm. And that's July 11th in Comic Con. But anyway, oh, please, but just, you've, whoever's out you there the listening to this, do yourself a favor actually and read the book. It, it, it gives you, you know. It uh, is a great uh, read. Uh, like a, a another avenue to look at in life you know fact that Steve says go through a great the reading, washing he's machine he's a bit of
0: a jerk when it comes to stuff
2: yeah so he's, you know he's we all we all it, have so. struggles the, the, the thing to come out with is a few scrapes and, and cuts and bruises but still keep the smile going
3: yeah. It, yeah, it really
2: yeah. makes all the difference in the world
3: and I got to say, uh, you got a wonderful soul, and you're a great hugger, too. Oh,
2: thanks. So <laughs> thank you for that. Very comforting. Oh, <laughs> so I'll you give you, I'll give him you him another give
3: one. Oh, all right. Thank, thank you. you.
0: <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com I-X-E. Over 150,000 tiles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Audible.com is your source. digital audiobooks. My personal favorite is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy read by Stephen Fry. It's amazing. So get your free 30-day trial and free audiobook download and show your support for the intellectual podcast by going to www.audibletrial.com slash I-X-E.